think we're good. This is an intimate setting, right? <laughs> this is what I we think call. You have announced it in first service because I don't think. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. No big deal. All right, so here we go. So, uh, let me. Who? Ha so you're gonna probably want a copy of this. Do you guys all have these at home already? I have one. You do? Okay. So go ahead and consi don't say I never gave you nothing. All right. There you go. I have one at home and one right here. And then. So do you guys have you guys ever worked with a statement of faith before? That's what this is called, a statement of faith. Okay. Good. This will be fun. I'm going to go ahead and we'll pray and then we'll, we'll get started. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you. Um, we thank you for the ability, ability to get together um, and to not only learn your word, Lord, but just to talk about uh, what we learn from your word. Uh, to think about all the things uh, that you teach us, that you reveal to us, Lord. And I pray that uh, this morning as we start to engage with some of those things, uh, that this would just be a time of uh, just conversation and reflection that would be honoring to you. And Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just ignite in us a deeper love, a greater love for you, and that we would see all the ways uh, that that uh, makes us more and more like your son. We thank you, Jesus, and pray these things all in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so last, well, yeah, November 2020, the Sovereign Grace uh, uh, churches, the leadership uh, ratified or basically made this document an official document of all Sovereign Grace churches. Um, what that means is all churches that are members of Sovereign Grace uh, Ministries or Sovereign Grace Churches or the denomination all say, hey, we agree and are unified by what is um, in, this, in this document. So um, what, what, uh, what's in here has been prayerfully gathered and considered and every word that's used is uh, put in here with, in, you know, with being intentional. And so uh, what this class is to do is to basically take us through it and to actually, um, you know, sur survey the material. So, we're, so you guys know what I mean when I say survey? Like we're going to just, we're just going to look across everything that's there. So nobody leaves an expert, okay? Don't get good at this. That's not what this class is for, okay? All right. And then later on, uh, we're going to have different classes that are going to look at these individual subjects with more detail. So if you haven't already, I put the schedule for the next three years, well, two-ish years. It's actually two years right here but you can't see it from inside so I don't want y'all trying to read it and be distracted so but you'll see some of the, the subjects that we're going to cover so okay all right so you should have some notes um, the notes are going to cover just today's material and hopefully we can get we'll get through it and then uh, next week Trey will continue 
and then I'll come in. So we're going to alternate. Um, yeah. So this was originally this was a class that was originally going to be taught by Willie Hensey, and like like a bunch of us, just got under the weather, and so that's that's a bummer. And uh, and but glad to hear he's okay. And uh, so yeah, Trey and I are going to go ahead and do this. So. Um, if you start on page one, we'll talk about just, you know, kind of how, what the statement of faith is. We're going inter- to introduce that uh, with a little more detail. Then we'll, we'll start today and we'll look at uh, the scriptures. Um, we're going to talk about different elements of the scriptures that are covered here. So uh, God in Revelation, the origin of scripture, the attributes of scripture, the reception of scripture. And then we'll talk about... Uh, What's called the doctrine or theology proper, okay? Uh, the doctrine of God, so the triune God, the nature of God, the Holy Trinity, and uh, relations and actions of the Trinity. Who's intimidated already by some of the words? Anybody? Okay, me too. All right, me too. You think you're intimidated? I have to teach you. I, yeah, but that's okay because like. The words, the words that, like I said, the words that are, are, are used are used on purpose. They're not just, they're, they're not, they're not just to sort of be like cool or sound smart or whatever. Although that is a great trick if you ever need to impress someone. Uh, you can, you know, so Josh, um, at your next homecoming dance, if you are, things are looking a little slow, you can just drop a couple of these $5 words and you might impress someone. Who knows? It might change everything. Uh, maybe not for the best, but it will change things. So, all right. Uh, so, the, so the outline that we have is, I just want to just point out, I put a little note on the top. So what this doesn't do, this doesn't give all the details that we'll talk about today. I just wanted to take and put something in writing that says, hey, here's what the statement we're going to read that's also in this book, and then provide some like helpful glosses or definitions to kind of work through some of those chunky words that maybe we're not used to seeing or using. Um, and then I also uh, wanted at the end, I provided, I think, at least three titles. Yeah. So if you wanted to do some further reading, I have the first one is this book, which you should have now. Uh, it's called We Believe. It's the Statement of Faith. Do you like how when I put it in the in the bibliography, it puts churches before, you know, like it's the last name of Sovereign Grace Churches? Yeah, I should have caught that. Um, but the next one is this really, really great little textbook. It's, it's very small. It's actually made uh, to be a pocketbook. It's called The Pocket Dictionary of Theological Terms uh, by, by Grenz. Um, that's a really that's worth getting. Um, it, some of the some of the material in there is going to be more than you may want, but it's got like almost anything that you may be like, what does that mean, or what is that again? I don't remember. It'll be in there and it'll give you a short gloss. So that's a good one to have. And then um, there's what's called a systematic theology, which is a uh, it's a treatment of all the different categories or most of the categories covered in theology um, done by Wade, Wayne Grudem. Most people are familiar with that. Uh, he just came out with a new edition probably about six months ago um, that just has updated and expanded um, what was in the first edition, which most people are familiar with. So, Is that cool? 
Any questions about this? So I, I, I like to have extra resources that if you're like, hey, I really want to learn about this, so you could start with this document, and then if you want to read more about it, you can in, in those. So it's helpful. Okay. Any questions so far? Okay. You know, I know you're not like this a youth. Come on, it's okay. I know you got like 10 already just bubbling. You're waiting to ask them. It's all right. So the statement of faith is a document that specifies what we believe, outlines the specifics that unite us uh, as a local church. So it's the things that we believe both here at Center Church and then also across the globe amongst our uh, other churches, the sister churches. Um, and then it, it, and then it also provides like that specificity or clarity that we typically want to have when we want to talk about like a different doctrine and you know why do we believe this or do we have to have this specific part in there or is it, it require you know what makes the doctrine what it is and then it gives us uh, you know the most important part it gives us the scripture references so like you turn to page seven. One of the things I don't do in the outline is I don't give you all these references. Um, as much as I like to, to type something that's already typed up for you, I thought I'll just go ahead and not do it this time. Uh, but yeah, at the bottom, it's all footnoted, and it's there for you. So if you don't need a magnifying glass, congratulations. You're young. Um, even with my glasses, this is not working out. So they're there. Um, and you can also go online, I believe, on the uh, Sovereign Grace Church's website, and it's on there. And you can hit Zoom. So, Keith, we're in luck. Uh, we don't have to have a magnifying glass. We'll just make it really big. Perfect. Yeah. So, so I want us to think about, like, when we think about a statement of faith and what it is, like, it's an official document, right? It's, this is saying this is what we believe. Uh, we we have the scripture though, right? So we know before we came in the room, the Bible is what we trust. The Bible is what provides us all that we need to know. Um, so what is where does theology come in with this or doctrine? Um, there sort of seem like two different things. So the way I like to think about it is, you know, the Bible gives us all the information, right? So it teaches us theology. And then theology, when we understand it, actually helps us to look at the Bible. And when we come across something that maybe it looks a little funky, it's like, what is he saying right here? We can use theology to help us be like, well, he's not saying this. Likely, right? But that's, that's, that's that theological process. It's being able to read scripture and then theology takes and helps us to be informed so that we know if, hey, we're in the ballpark, or maybe there's a nuance there that we need to get some clarity on because it doesn't seem to line up. So does that make sense? That, but that's how I, I don't want us to see those two things as um, isolated from each other. They should be one one together. The scripture is, as we're going to see, our authority. Theology is just what we learn from scripture. So, and then if you look through uh, this book, and I don't—is that—is that something you can see? I need to work on contrast a little more, I think. So, yeah, so we have, there's 13 categories or 13 topics um, that are covered in the statement of faith. Uh, so any of these on here, like, intimidate you? Anybody, anything that you see that you're like, oh, that one's going to be rough. So, like, this one, is, people are always interested in this one. Yeah? 
So the, these, you know, this one, you're like, what? What could we possibly learn about the church? Well, there's a lot of good info there. Life in Christ, okay, that's something really important to know about. Any, what other ones do you see? Okay, good. God's sovereign purpose. So that's next week, so don't don't miss it. Any others? Josh, what are you excited about? Ooh, nice. Okay. Anybody else want to share? Kaylee, what do you think? Uh, or should I say Carmen? No, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. What, any on there that excites you? Uh, or are you just like, they all look awesome. I want them all. That's what I would say. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. So we'll, so what we'll do today is we'll just talk about those first two because, hey, I'm not going to lie. I thought Trey should get the larger load. You know, that's, I was, you know, I just figured he would. So, okay. <laughs> All right, so if you go to point number two, the scriptures, you'll see in your book this is broken up into what I believe are three different categories. And I'll double check. Yep. So inside there, uh, you'll notice we have this statement, okay? Our eternal transcendent all-glorious God who forever exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, let me hit pause. Anybody getting that pit in their stomach already? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's okay. Like, that's this is, this is what comes with it, I promise. So don't worry about it. Keep going. Okay? Is by ver- His very nature a communicative being. He both creates governs through his words and has graciously revealed himself to humanity in order to commune with us. He has revealed himself through creation and providence in his ways plain to all people, leaving no one without a testimony of himself. He also revealed himself through specific words that we might come to a fuller knowledge of his character and will learning what is necessary for salvation and life. Through the medium of human language, which is suitable and adequate for communication with those who bear his image, God has preserved in Holy Scripture the only authoritative and complete revelation for all humanity. All right. What stands out to you? God. Bingo. Okay. Now, I expect the Sunday school teachers to give the Sunday school answers, but we're going to have to stretch ourselves. No, that's absolutely right. Oh, yeah, he's in there. Boom. There we go. Trinitarian action going on. That's right. Yeah. What else? What else do you see? Like, let's let's just kick this around a little bit. That's kind of how this works. Just look at this. There's some definitions in in the handout. So, Revelation. So Revelation refers both to the processes by which God discloses the divine nature and the mystery of the divine will and purpose to human beings and to the corpus of truth disclosed. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, The body, right? The corpus, the, bro- the body of what is... So so do you see that? That definition is shows itself up, right? Kind of... You see it in that in the statement. What else do you see in the statement there that, that kind of 
gets your attention. Lots and lots of cows. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of the of the comma. Yeah. That we might come to a fuller knowledge of his character and will. Yeah. So what does that tell you? What do you think? His intention. Boom. What, so what's his intention? To reveal yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's right, isn't it? So, like, if we know, like, if we believe the scripture is something that God intentionally, it didn't just, like, sort of, like, someone overheard all of this and just said, I better write this down. No one will believe me. This is like on purpose. And so to think of scripture as on purpose automatically assumes that God wants us to want something to happen. He's looking for a result, right? Yeah, growth. That's right. So what do you think? What about that last line? Because I just got done talking about theology and scripture. So how does that last line sort of play out. God has preserved in his holy scripture what? The only authoritative and complete revelation for all humanity. Wow. So you should your brain should start itching a little bit because you're like, well what about the guy in Papua New Guinea who doesn't have a Bible? What do you think? Does that matter? Okay. What do you think? I mean, I guess just part of thinking broader than this that there's now a responsibility. Okay. Um, that that's the only authority to be revelation for all humanity, that there's something to come that will get this in front of all people. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then maybe the Bible, what it's talking about, the scripture tells us how to answer that question. That's another thing to think about, right? So can anyone think of a place maybe in the book of Romans, probably in the first chapter, where maybe there's something about this, this question? Something like, you know, God, oh, no, no, go, go for it. No, go for it. God, God's maybe made known, like what needs to be known has been made known. Could be chapter two. I don't know. I don't. There you go. Okay. Yeah, that's two. Yep. So this idea, Paul says right off the bat, is like God reveals Himself. Like, we know he reveals himself in Scripture, but there's also, like, what we call general revelation, right? Where everybody can look at the heavens and, and can see that God clearly, a creator, has made everything. But what Scripture does is it says, I'm going to give you the, the how, the who, the why behind what you can obviously see in all of creation generally. Does that make sense? So we would call Scripture special revelation where like all of creation is what we would say is general revelation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So he has revealed himself through creation. Yeah, there you go. Right? Yeah. So just the fact that there's a sun that comes up every day and a moon that comes up every night. Everything's very organized. Yeah. 
pattern and it's every yep. yeah it's good thing in its season season all of yeah. that right even just that in itself reveals the creator yeah reveals god yeah so even if you didn't have the bible it has been revealed yeah to us yep the create the creator has been revealed to us yeah and there's people that will say that you don't necessarily need to have the bible uh to to be able to sort of come to a saving knowledge. Right. Um, and what, what we're specifying is is that all that's needed is provide, like God reveals himself gen, in general revelation, but the specifics of the gospel are found in scripture. So here's how I like to think of it. How can you tell the gospel without referencing what's communicated in scripture? Do you think you could do it? Probably not. Well, no, yeah, so definitely, definitely hear what you're saying there. I'm saying, like, you you use Scripture in communicating the gospel, period, right? So Scripture provides the information, and then we communicate it. So Scripture is being used in that case, is what I'm kind of what I'm getting at. Does that make sense? If you have a question, it's okay. So just think of this as general revelation is all of creation, Special revelation is found in, in the Bible and Scripture. Yeah. All right, so when we think of the origin of Scripture, which is the next uh, subtopic, all of Scripture is breathed out by God, being accurately delivered through various human authors by the inspiration and sovereign agency of the Holy Spirit. We, therefore, receive the 66 books of the Old and New Testament as the perfect, infallible, and authoritative word of God. With the fullness of revelation given in Christ and his completed redemptive work, no new normative revelation will or need to be given until Christ returns. In its original manuscripts, the whole of Scripture and all its parts is inerrant without error in all that it affirms. Because there is one divine author behind all of Scripture, we are able to arrive confidently at a harmonious, doctrinally unified understanding of the whole. Furthermore, God in his loving providence has determined to preserve his word as pure and trustworthy throughout history, just as he guided the early church in discerning and identifying the canon of Scripture he inspired. That's a word I forgot to give a definition for. All right. What stands out to you there? What do you think of inspiration? How about that? Let's start with inspiration. What do you think, Josh? Well, it's... Um, what was I going to say? It's... Inspiration is something new. I had something I was going to tell Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, like it's not them. When an artist draws or paints or creates something, yeah. they say they were inspired by something. Yeah. It, it wasn't them who... Just didn't pop out of nowhere. It yeah. was something else. Good. Gave them yeah. The yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that that's the question, right? When we think about Scripture being inspired... Uh, we need to sort of understand what that is. And so we're saying, hey, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, we're saying those are inspired by God. 
Okay, or what we what uh, uh, I think it's Second Timothy three sixteen, right? It says it's breathed out by God. Um, and it's but it's delivered through various human authors. Okay, so this idea then is like, does God like whisper into the ear of the author, and the author's like, wait, hang on, I can't keep up, like I'm writing this down, or is there something else going on? Because what we're what we would say here is that each document is written by a different person, right? Well, not necessarily, like Moses writes multiple, you know, Paul writes multiple. And God inspires them. And what we see is we see the uniqueness of that individual coming out in that document. So God doesn't just say, I need you in robot mode, just write down exactly what I say. It's, hey, Kristen, how would you, like, I want you to write this the way you would write it. I want you to use the thoughts, the words, the paradigms that you have, and that's exactly what happens in the text of Scripture. And so when we receive that, even though it is unique to those individuals, we take that to mean that it was also inspired by the Holy Spirit as that's communicated. So all of that information then comes that way. We believe there's two authors. There's the human author and then the single divine author that stretches across all of the texts. So, does that make sense? And then uh, the preservation of his word, um, that's a big one. Now, I don't know if you know this, but actually in the book of Colossians, at the end of the book of Colossians, Paul says, hey, uh, church in Colossae, I want you to finish reading this letter, and when you're done with it, I want you to send it to the neighboring church in Laodicea. And then, by the way, I sent them a letter they're going to bring it over to you because I told them to do the same thing. I want you to read that one also. All right, so uh, where in your Bible is the letter of Paul to the Laodiceans? Any idea? So, okay, let's start off. So we don't have it. So what happens when Joe Archaeologist goes out to somewhere in Turkey and, di- and he's digging and he finds a letter that says, hey, this is from Paul to the church in Laodicea. What do we do with it? What do you think? If we're, if we're thinking in this kind of way, how would we take and look at that, that, that document? Could, could it be from Paul? Is it very well that it could be from Paul? Yeah, it could be, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we're saying we believe that what we have in our, in our Bibles is what God wants us to have. And so even if we were to come across something like that, it would be super cool be super awesome to be able to look at that and use it for all sorts of different things, but we would not hold that to be scripture. Yeah. So, do you, do you, do you, does that make sense? Like, I, or do you want to talk about that some more? Because that that can be kind of confusing, I think. So, who can we can we think of anybody that might have a different kind of idea of whether the Bible is closed or we have what's called a closed canon? Any ideas? We have an emphatic head nod here. Okay, so what do you think? Uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, 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 LDS. Like they would say, well, you know, it's it's sort of like in flux. It can can change. Things happen. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so we would we would just say no. That's that's not the case, right? So what would the difference be then? Like the letter from Paul to Lycia, right? Hmm. Yep. Because of it, who the author is, 
mm-hmm. an author that has written other scriptures and canon, and a confirmation of the recipients that's also referenced yeah. in Holy Canon versus a nowadays prophet. Like, I, it, I guess one general question is why wouldn't that one be considered and accepted because of the origins of it versus the now? So, like, if somebody... Like the, the perfect example you just gave. Okay, so, like, the LDS? Yeah. Right? Like, like that letter, I would think, would hold some... Value? ...and merit to mm-hmm. the whole of Scripture because of who wrote it. Sure. Um, and the fact that the recipients were referenced also right. in the Bible versus a... Prophet yeah. Prophet in 2021 who just decided. Yeah. Like, I, I, I see those as two different. Yeah. Two, two, two extremes. Yeah. To yep. Scripture. So, so, like, at, to me, I would think, like, yeah, maybe we should read Paul's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the differences is, like, we would say, hey, okay, so what and why would he not want us to have that information? Where we, we would trust that he's provided us everything um, that we do have, that we do have, right? So the other thing about that is, is uh, and probably not right now, but we could talk about how the early church preserved those documents and then, like, agreed, even though there, it's not like nowadays where they can get on the phone or go on the Internet, but we're talking churches across the globe, are taking the same documents, and we can't we can't show this, and they're saying these are these are scripture, independently affirming, and then coming together at at a point where there is a, cons- a council and saying, hey, what do you guys consider to be scripture? Hey, what about? And then everybody is agreeing on these 66 documents. Does that make sense? And and that one is not on the table. Does that make sense? And then, and then I'll say, as far as LDS goes, uh, the easiest way. The LDS one, I'm not, that's yeah. Even a, yeah. So this would be like the this would be this would be like the for someone who does have that concern, say about the LDS uh, uh, scripture, we would say there is a clear inconsistency between what is affirmed in those in those scriptures versus what we would say are true scriptures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And go with whatever is socially relevant today. Works for them. Yeah. Not necessarily, and it it then negates previous things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So does that help? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, like, if if that were to appear, um, you know, if, if, say, the letter of the Laodiceans appeared, it would be very cool. There would be a lot of this conversation that we're having right now. A lot of that tension would be coming up. Um, but again, we would just we would trust in the providence of God that that's not something that He would want us to hold in that regard. Right. Yeah. If we needed it, it would have come to light yep. two thousand yeah. years ago, not today. Yeah, yeah. And and here's a really good example. Um, so if you take a King James Bible. And you compare it to, say, like your ESV Bible, there's going to be passages in that King James that don't show up in your ESV. 
And what it is, is it's basically, there, there are pieces in there that were added over time for one reason or another. And we, you know, scholarship has determined this, this is, there's no way this was original. This was added. And there's, there's methods to being able to determine that. And so we would say, okay, we're, there are some that would say, hey, you, you're cutting, you're cutting and pasting. Like you can't, that's God's word. God's word, you can't do that. And we would say, okay, that, that's, that's, we understand that you're saying that. We would say there's real reason to believe that that's not consistent with the original, right? And so th- then saying that, uh, we would say, okay, nothing that you lose, nothing that you lose in those, what we would call variants, is taking away from the body of scripture and what it teaches that we end up seeing in this document. Does that make sense? Yeah. That that can be kind of overwhelming sometimes for folks. It's it's a hard question. So, all right. The attributes of Scripture. Did you guys have any other questions around that, or do you want to move on? Barb, do you have any? You you look intrigued. Oh, I'm sorry. Beautiful is what I meant. Is that weird for anybody? <laughs> Yeah, so canon is what we would call like the the uh, the body of um, the standard, so the measuring standard. So a canon of scripture is this is what we believe is the standard of scripture, what we call the whole the whole of scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. I think that's actually the literal meaning of canon is like measuring or or uh, reference or something like that. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like the official, this is the official like storyline of Star Wars or whatever, right? Yeah, same same idea. Yep. But of course we had it first. So there. There is that. We're cooler. Yeah. All right, the attributes of of scripture. Uh, believers live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is therefore necessary and wholly sufficient for knowing the Father's love in Christ, experiencing his glorious plan of redemption, and being instructed in the way of fruitful and godly living. The word of God is clear, and everything we need in order to know, love, and fellowship with God can be plainly understood through ordinary means without appeal to any human authority. Although not all scripture is equally plain, when its intended meaning is misunderstood, the fault lies not in the clarity of God's communication, but in the recipient. Scripture alone is our supreme and final authority and the rule of faith and life. The scripture must not be added to or taken away from, and all creeds, confessions, teachings, and prophecies are to be tested by the final authority of God's word. So a lot in there that we've kind of already talked about, but what else stands out to you? There's some big ones in there. Anything new, anything that you're like, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Plain and ordinary, I I would have not ever 
put that definition on scripture. Yeah. It, it, because of the amount of like effort that goes into like truly understanding yeah. what is being said, you know, all yep. of the questions, who wrote it, who was it written to, when was it written, what was it, all of those types of things. That, like to me, I would have put in the definition. That's not the words you would have used. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, trust me, I'm feeling that right now, buddy. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, so what does that mean then? So like that, there's a tension there, right? Because what you're talking about um, is essentially you're saying like you have to handle this in a certain way because it becomes dangerous very quickly. So if you decided to just start reading and then you just decide what it means, you know that's the risk, right? Okay, so does that mean it's not clear though? This is this is a little bit of a thought of thought experiment. So does that mean it's not clear? Okay. So here here's yeah. So you want to you want to say yeah? That's exactly what it means, right? So let me let me ask you: Is it more clear? Is it more clear if you go to uh, let's say? Um, uh, let's say, you know, if you go to the Middle East, you think if, the, if they read it, you think it's e- easier for them to understand? I don't understand. Like, meaning if a Middle Eastern... Yeah, so if you were to go to, say, Jordan, okay. and someone who's born and raised in Jordan, and all of that comes with that, and they were to read their Bible, is it more clear to them than it is to you? Why, why did I pick Middle East? Why did I pick... No. Okay. Because of the location and the name okay. and all of that. Okay. So that... Oh, yeah, so they have a category for that. Let me... Let, let's, let's, let's hit pause and try something else. Okay. So I have never been to Disney World. You have been to Disney World. Now, I have been to Disneyland, but only a few times. So he was trying to talk to me about what? Where Abe Lincoln is. And he's like, no, it's right. It's what'd you say? It's right when you come into the right on the right hand side. And what did I ask you? Yeah. So I said, oh, because when when I remember, I just remember when you're in the circle, Tomorrowland's like kind of to the right and behind you a little bit. OK, that's not what you were talking about. OK, so is it more clear to you or than it is to me? Sure. Yeah. But is it clear? Is there any like secret encoding going on when you say it's to the right? See what I'm saying? Sure. I would say no. It isn't as equally clear because if I wanted to be equally clear, right when you enter into the main gates and go under the railroad tracks off to the right, that's where Abraham. Okay. I can be just as clear and say go in and go to the right, and that tells you exactly where it is. But then the recipient would not understand is that. As soon as I enter, so, is that when I get to the middle? Is that when I get? Which is which? Why means, I was clear. I you can understand me. Are you so the 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 point is is that does the scripture use language that's clear? Okay, it's not nuanced. It's not put in a way that you have to have secret information, right? So this is this is what I'm trying to say. When it goes on paper. When it's codified, when it becomes scripture, 
the information given to the original recipients is as clear as could possibly be. Somebody, like, think about this logically. Paul writes to the Corinthians. They understand everything he's saying. Clear as day. Just like when you sit in there and Rich preaches, there's, there's not a lot of fog. Okay? It's because of our separation in time, our separation in culture, our separation in language, our separation in idiom, our separation in all number of factors that keep, that keep us having to do the work that you're talking about. So I think they reflect that here. So then, like, I guess, in, in, the, in the sense of that statement, similar to what was said in the, in the previous one uh, as far as... Um, The, the in its original manuscripts, the whole scripture is inerrant, right? So in it, in the original manuscripts, the word of God is clear. But as we are reading it now, because we are separated by all those things, it is not clear. So it I requires I, us to do a little bit of extra. Yeah. So let me let's look at it. What this said. I I that's not what I mean. Okay. So that's not what I mean. But I do. You're on the right track. So this is what it says. The word of God is clear. So do you see where I'm at? I'm like four lines down. The word of God is clear and everything we need to know to know love and fellowship with God can be plainly understood through the ordinary means without appeal to any human authority. So that's talking about you don't need to come to your pastor to be told this is how to read it. Okay. Or this is what uh, you have to believe it means. Okay. Does that make sense? There's no papal office that you have to appeal to that says, this is officially what this means. Does that make sense? Okay. That, then it says, although not all scripture is equally plain, which is what you're talking about, when it is inten- when its intended meaning is misunderstood, which it's not denying, the fault lies not in the clarity of God's communication, but in the recipient, which is what we're talking about. Does that make sense? I'm putting my own meaning to the words rather than going to the original yep. audience and time frame and things like that, right? So the word yeah. slave means something different to me in 2021. That's exactly right. Than it did yeah. In and we do this all the time. We do this all the time because when, when who's your head coach? Um, the Zach, big, Taylor. Zach Taylor says something on the practice squad and he just pops off a comment. Some, some reporter hears it. Here's the whole context, but decides to just write the part that's maybe a little bit spicy. Right. <laughs> and that's what you see as a Bengals fan in the paper. And then it creates all this turmoil. People are like, what's going on? I can't believe you said that. What's he going to do? Hold on a second. That's not. Right. It's like every news clip. Like yeah. News now, the Bible is not doing that. But the same kind of assumptions that get him in trouble are the kinds of assumptions that can get us in trouble. That's what I'm trying to say. Hopefully, we put our own background and our own. Yeah. We lay it on top of the gospel or the scripture rather than putting ourselves aside and reading the scripture as it is intended. Exactly. Exactly. So while it's not. It's clear in the sense that what God was saying is what God was saying. Yep. We have to sometimes peel back our sure. own. Yeah. I guess that's that's where I 
the just the phrase the word of God is clear. Yeah. Um, without the next couple of when it's intended meaning, like, but for us to understand its intended meaning, we have to, we have to peel away all right. that stuff, and we have to, which all of that other stuff, um, and so maybe I guess it's not that the word of God isn't clear, it's, it's Bingo. our... On the head. Yeah. Hey, we got there. All right. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Okay. So so uh, this we, we got that was a good one. We gotta be done. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Look, we got a lot more to cover, buddy, and not a lot of time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You never change you never can criticize the scripture and say, It's not telling me the right way. It's telling you exactly what you need. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, do you want to go back? The Holy Spirit reveals to those, you know, to those who have Holy Spirit, He is revealing things as well. There are mysteries in there, even as the Bible says, it's a mystery, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Ephesians 5 says this is a mystery. It's a mystery because it's a little wonky, but the Holy Spirit is also there, meaning it's great to have Rich and Trey and you and Frank and everybody to help kind of unpack some things. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit is also indwelt in yeah. me and reveals scripture to me as well. Yeah, that's right. Now, that sometimes he will sense. use yeah. and Trey and Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah I, the, I shouldn't rely the, yeah. on my own self because, well... You, 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 you have what you need. Training. Yeah, you, you have what you need to read your Bible yeah. and to grow in faith. And and to and to have your relationship edified, yeah, absolutely. But I also need. But when you read, but when you read Jude and you get into some of the weird stuff in there, you're going to be like, I, I need help. Yeah, help me, please. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that's and that's what's. But that's you. That's not the Bible. That's what this is saying. Yeah. Good. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody's familiar with the 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 tangential literature. Uh, for instance, Revelation, right? The book of Revelation is what's called, a, it's called apocalyptic. It's a kind of literature. None of us read apocalyptic, okay? Unless you read, unless you identify it in the scripture, you're not going to get exposed to it. But, but there are people that are familiar with apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature. And so when they come to the book of Revelation, it, they, they understand this is how you work in this document. Does that make sense? So diff, it's just, yeah, there's all these different categories. Absolutely. Um, The reception of scripture. We come to know that the Bible is God's word through scripture's own self-attesting authority and by the work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness through the word in our hearts. As the scriptures are preached and read, the spirit delights to illuminate our minds. Thank you, Kristen. So we understand, cherish, and obey his word. God's intended meaning is revealed through the intentions of the inspired human authors Rendering the truth of God's word a fixed, uh, I should say, as fixed and in historical reality. A fixed historical reality. Man, that was tough. <laughs> Therefore, the Bible is to be prayerfully interpreted. Thank you, Kristen. You already taught this. According to its context and original intent. There we go. 
So we should we just needed to keep going, Keith. And with due regard to the progressive nature of revelation, okay, we want to talk about that, and the collective interpretation of believers through the ages, ultimately scripture interprets scripture, and the meaning of each text must be understood in light of the whole. As we devote ourselves to God's word, we commune with God himself and are fortified in the faith, sanctified from sin, strengthened in weakness, and sustained in suffering by his unchanging revelation in scripture. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Yes, that is good news. So the one thing I want to hit on here is the progressive revelation of Scripture. Now what this means, and this is something that people can get confused by, is the data that God reveals in the book of Genesis, Okay, if, if that's where we start, you get more data in the next book and the next one all the way through what? Revelation, okay? So that's what we call progressive revelation, meaning God unpacks what's going on and all the details tied to what's going on through Scripture as it's written over history. So, when you get to Matthew, and the author of Matthew has experienced the gospel, has experienced the born Life, lit, lit, life lived, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Okay? He is taking that data that's new, and he is now understanding all of the Old Testament. So that's why if you look at the book of Matthew, so often he's saying, as it is written, boom. As it is written, boom. And he is tying all of the revelation up until that point back to the now more clear, more revealed uh, plan of God. And so that's what we mean by the progressive uh, revelation of Scripture. Any questions there? All right. That's, that's what I like to geek out over. All right. We're moving on. We're moving on. The triune God, okay? So the first part, this stuff right here, this is going to be where we get in the weeds. Um, and I know we don't have super ton of time, but we'll, we'll roll. The nature of God. We come, oh, that's the wrong one. There is one, there's only one true and living God who is infinite in being, power and perfections. God is eternal, independent, and self-sufficient having life in himself with no need for anything. He is spirit, transcendent, and invisible, with no limitations or imperfections, immutable, and everywhere present with the fullness of his being. His knowledge is exhaustive, including all things actual and possible, so that nothing past, present, or future is hidden from his sight. God is not divided into parts, but his, his whole being includes all of his attributes. He is entirely holy, loving, wise, just, good, merciful, gracious, and truthful. Our God is the infinite fountain of being who created all things, and all things exist by him and for him. He is supremely powerful to perform all his holy and perfect will, ruling over his creation with total dominion, 
righteousness, wisdom, and love. In his transcendence, God is incomprehensible. In his being and actions, yet he reveals himself such that we can know him and truly and personally. Now, I imagine I did not put enough definitions for this. <laughs> but there, so like, just think of it like this. This is the fire hose, okay? We're going to sip for a second, and then we are going to have to, like, you need to commit yourself to, like, living in this. Okay, you know most of this already. You hear this in scripture all the time. But this is something that you will spend your life trying to understand. That incomprehensible part, that helps us. That's your get out of jail free card. It's like you're not going to understand this all. Okay, this is why the beauty of statements and creeds and these sorts of things is that we can say, I affirm that. I believe that. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the, there, and there is this. Um, I think it. Uh, there's this old, old uh, Christian, we call it old saint, um, who talks about uh, faith seeking understanding, meaning I don't need to understand to have faith. I have faith, and then I seek to understand. And so these documents, the, these this doctrine. Um, is something that we first affirm and then we work to try to be able to understand more as we go. So there's a lot a lot of meat on the bone here. Anything you guys want to talk about? That's okay. It's okay if you don't have any words. That's appropriate. This is the one that we're going to have the most difficult with here in a minute. God is not divided into parts. Because that's the one that we're going to have to work through. We, 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 yeah, this His is. His brain just isn't designed yeah. to yeah, understand not. that, right? Yeah. Like, everything we know has boundaries, right? Yep. And an egg is three things. In one. But it's one, <laughs> but it's not, but each thing is its own separate thing, right? I can yeah. separate the yoga, I can separate the egg, yep. I can separate the shell. But God's not like that. Um, nope. And we don't have anything in this, on this side of heaven, that we can say, oh, yep. like that. We don't have anything. Yeah. And our brain, I just, it, it's not. Yeah. Designed to work that way. And I, I would even say he doesn't want there to be anything right. like that. Yeah, there yeah. should be, right? Yeah. It's yeah, just I, him. That's right. Yeah. But it does it does cause a little stumbling because like I don't I don't have anything I don't know what that means because I don't have something else to look to, right? Yeah. I can look towards, you know, an authoritative parent-child, I have that sort of relationship that I can compare to, we have, but then, yeah, we just don't have anything else on the side of heaven. Yeah, yeah, it's just, and, and, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll shift right over to the Trinity. Um, We, again, affirm and seek to understand. Yeah. Yeah, and and the way that, like, I'll tell you is, is this is, um, when you work through this and you see this in scripture, and I highly recommend using your your statement, 
and looking up the passages, and you'll notice they're all footnoted, so you don't have to figure out which one goes to which. Um, work through those passages, and what you're going to find is as your mind explodes, and you're busy cleaning it up from all over the place, um, you're going to come here, and you're going to you're going to come on a Sunday morning, and you're going to get in, in the auditorium, and a song is going to be played, and you're going to read words in the lyrics, and they're going to hit you in a different way. And you're going to fall apart, because you're going to realize you've been singing words for so long that you never really thought about. Um, this is about, like, you do not study God like you study biology. You don't study God like you do the weather. You study God and you worship. It it turns you inside out. You're you you can't. Um, it's it's very dangerous if we just turn this into a. That's another thing that I can know. Yeah. So let this drive your singing. Let it drive your how you interact with whomever. Let it drive how you take the crummy stuff that comes in life. Yeah, this is this is the best because he is amazing. And and as we just got done reading, he went through a lot to make it so that we could know him. Alright, here's the good stuff right here. Here's the fun stuff. The Holy Trinity. Um like, if you're like me, just so you know, you have just decided to do your best to never have to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity because it, it is like, I can't, it hurts my head. Um, but I think simplicity is, is the beauty of the Trinity is it's simple. We have to keep it simple. So funny side note, uh, if you ever want to uh, laugh, there's a YouTube video that's forever years old. Uh, it's called uh, St. Patrick and the Tr- Doctor of the, of the Trinity, and it's like a little cartoon kind of thing. Uh, check it out. It's pretty funny. What's that? Something like that, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, the two little guys, and they go, oh, Patrick. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. I, it sounds like he knows, yeah. The one true God eternally exists as three persons. Okay, I'm going to pause. All doctrinal statements are this way. When you get into things like the Trinity, you get into things like the person of Christ, anything around, like any of that stuff. Every word matters. Like I guarantee you, when they wrote this, they debated over every use of a preposition, every term that's in there, was a conversation. So pay attention to that stuff. The one true God eternally exists as three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Infinitely excellent and all-glorious. Each person is fully God, sharing the same deity, attributes, and essential nature. Yet there is but one God. Each person is distinct Yet God is not by this distinction divided into three parts, natures or gods. The Father has always existed as Father, the unbegotten fountain of all life, 
The Son has always existed as Son, eternally begotten of the Father, uncreated without beginning of one essence with the Father. The Holy Spirit has always existed as Spirit, eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son, of, and of one essence with them. The Godhead thus exists in a perfect unity, indivisible as to the nature and substance, yet inseparably distinguished as persons who enjoy a fullness of fellowship and love. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> so, this is how I will help throw this out there if it's helpful or not. There is one God, three persons. There is not three gods. There is not three essences. There is one God, one essence, three persons. Okay? So, when we talk about persons, we use, when we say persons, we think about it a little differently. So, if you look in your definitions, and this is where that handbook is really helpful because usually those handbooks are going to give specificity on the language. So when they define the term, they're going to say, hey, some people think this term indicates X and some are going to say this. And that's going to be helpful for that. So when we talk about, did I not put it here? No, it's, I'm on the wrong page. Person, a someone, not just a something. Now, when we talk about someone, Someone and something are the same. They're not interchangeable, right? So with when we talk about the Godhead, though, those things aren't necessarily assumed together. Um, so you have three someones, but one something. That might help to, to think about that. Because that, one God, three persons. A someone who engages in uh, his or her shared nature, individual identity with understanding and freedom. And that really is essentially what we're trying to get at. So what the Son does is not what the Spirit does. And what the Spirit does is not what the Son does. And what the Father does is not what the Spirit of the Son does. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. However, they are not divided. Mm -hmm. So there is this incredibly weird tension that's going to always be there. But what we have to understand is this: there is... In some way, an undivided Godhead, an undivided God, that we understand functions and does things as persons. I'm not going to ask if that makes sense, but I want you. I want to know: Do you see the specificity there? Like it doesn't click, but you understand where the guardrails are. So that's how I would say: Take this is say, okay, there are demarcation points that are placed. We can't cross those points. That's why they're there. And so we have to affirm these things to be true, even though we don't know how they click together. So the Legos don't look like they click, but we know that they do. Does that help? Any questions about this? Anybody want to groan or moan or talk about how difficult this is? Because I feel, I feel it. I feel it. But some of the most intriguing reading and study is on the doctrine of the Trinity. Yeah. So one thing I think would be fun to talk about is you could think about how, the, how do you distinguish them? The Father is eternal, unbegotten. 
Okay? The Son is eternal and ter- eternally begotten from the Father. And the Son, this is a fun word, eternally spirates, or what we would say eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's just one of those $5 words. Just put it in your back pocket. And when you're in, like, with all the big wigs, be say, like, spirates. They're going to be like, whoa, who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they just took a noun and made it a verb. It's not a big deal. Yeah, does that make sense though? Yeah, so like th- those are the, the distinctions, and and when you even talk about something like what does begotten mean, well then you'll say well Jesus is eternally begotten, but he is not made. Okay, who thinks that when th- there are there's folks out there that when they see the word begotten, because when the Bible talks about being begotten. The same word often means like the father's part in procreation. That's the idea that a father is, uh, begats, right? Where a mother would birth or, or whatever. I don't know. That, that's the idea. It's like a difference. Is this, have I crossed into the weird at this point? Okay, my wife's grinning pretty. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. Keep going. So... <laughs> So those are those are the those are the distinguishing marks that the scripture gives, and so that's why we would say this is how you identify them as um, spe- specific. Yeah, yep, that's right. So when Jesus is dying on the cross, it's not the Father and the Spirit dying on the cross; it's the Son. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, and that's where those things show themselves. Okay, last one: the persons. Of the Trinity, being one in nature, are also inseparably united in their external works. So this is kind of what we were talking about. Such that to deal with one person is to deal with the Trinity as a whole. Yet within this unity, there are distinctions in the way the divine persons relate to each other and to creation. Although there is no difference in essence or attributes within the Godhead, the ordered relation among the persons are eternal yet without any inequality. In the works of creation, providence, and redemption, the persons fulfill roles consistent with their eternal relations. The Father originates, the Son accomplishes, the Spirit completes. Nevertheless, the three thus distinct are neither divided nor mixed and are of one of the same essence are equal for all eternity, all eternity and are worthy to be worshipped as the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anything obvious there? Yeah. So we joke in theology, we say the answer to everything, just like Jesus is the answer to everything, is we'd say, they're separate, yet, or they're, they're the same yet distinct. Because you, how, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of the running joke. Um, but that's really true, right? Like they, 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 um, they do things that are specific to the person. Yet the spirit is never apart from the father or the son. Yeah. So like one of the really, really cool doctrines out there, I think, is like, Jesus, and this is going to open a can of worms. I know it. Uh, I just, I feel it. I feel it. Someone's going to listen to this recording and say, we can't put that up. Um, (laughs) Jesus somehow 
okay, is wet, covered in birth, unable to take care of himself as, as a man, and yet simultaneously holding the stars in place. Simultaneously commanding and holding all creation together without a beat missed. So there is this there is this insane like complex tension that we have to somehow comp- like we can't compre- incomprehensible remember go back there and say no 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 you said I don't I, I can't understand all this yeah <laughs> but yet <clears throat> but yet at the same time like just like those two things are true yeah Yeah. In order for him to take on the weight of sin, yeah. the consequence of sin is death, and death is separation from God. So for him to bear that consequence, he had to be separated. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is really like this is the mud that I anticipated coming from this little trek we've taken. Um, <clears throat> and and so that's that. Is, so you have to then also say. Yet the Son, the Father, and the Spirit are never divided. Right, but but then Jesus relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to raise from the dead. Yeah, it says the Father raised him, right? Right. Yeah. So, and yet, and he cries out, "Why did you forsake me?" Yeah. Meaning you have left me. Yeah. So you want to get really like in this little cover? This. Yeah. Yeah. So think about this. Okay. So you have um, the tri- so the Godhead. Uh, so see if I can do one of these weird things. I don't think I could do it. Nah, I can't do it. <laughs> what? <clears throat> we'll do we'll do this thing. Okay. Okay. One God. Three persons. One God. Three persons. Okay. The Son. Okay. So we'll do uh, we'll do um, do the Cairo Jesus Christ, okay. One person, two natures. Does your head hurt? So we're talking about the Trinity. But you have to think about this. Like these kinds of tensions are all over. But yeah, so you have one person in the Godhead who has two natures. But he's also inseparable with the Father and the the Father and Spirit. No, all of it, both, everything. Everything. Can't, none, none gets left on the table. Yep. This is like real deep end stuff. Okay. So you're feeling you're feeling how the floor is like really far from your feet. 
That's normal. Okay? That's because it is. It's not there. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're just, uh, again, just a throw out there kind of question. Like, this is not clear. <laughs> so do you, Keith, do you think... We can never understand yeah. the yeah. by no means, but like in terms of yeah. trying to like processes and form this type of statement of faith to be able to say, oh, the word of God is clear, well, explain the treaty, like, it's not really clear. <laughs> like, that's, well, no, that's totally well remember the faith-seeking understanding part, right? And we affirm, and then we seek to understand. So this is how I would give you a rebuttal. And I would say, well, the from the point of Scripture, the way it delivers the information is clear. It says Jesus is God and Jesus is man. Clearly says that. So we have to say, but where's the how? Well, that's not what we're provided. <laughs> we're provided the what is true. Um, with the Trinity, um, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Right, And then Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Yeah. See, the, these things are both true and the scripture both clearly communicates them. We, we, so there's two options, right? We could look in and say, well, Deuteronomy 6 and John chapter 17 are clearly contradictory. Okay? Or we could say, John chapter 17 understands Deuteronomy 6 and says it anyway. And then we go, okay, I have to affirm this or deny it, right? If we affirm it, then we seek to understand it. Does that make sense? This is not easy. (laughs) I mean, this is like treading water with no bottom underneath you. So if you sink, you sink, right? But you, you just, so the answer to answer the question is, is my guess, Keith, is that if, if you and I read the scripture in such a way that we were familiar with what's in it, we, we know these tensions and they don't get any less clear. Yeah. yeah. Does that help? Yeah. All right. What else do you any, any anything else stand out here? So there's some definitions. Um, so external works. Um, just think of things that take place outside of the Trinity. So what would be like an internal work? Can you think of something? So an idea, maybe an internal work, would be like the Godhead determining to create and save, right? The, the plan of salvation, right, would being an internal work. The act of the right? the Holy well, so like that's God acting in creation to raise Jesus from. So that would be an external, right? So, but thinking like sort of God's planning and determining to do what He does would be like an, a triune act or an internal act. Most things are going to be, from, our, from what we can see, external. But that's you know neither here nor there. Any any definitions in here that you guys saw that you're like, I don't know about that, or that you know didn't really make it any more clear. 
So it, it's this not can be unclear. Sure. So. Is that a word that really is used in any other context outside mm. of... Uh, yeah, so it actually shows up all over. I mean, it shows up quite a bit in other contexts um, in the Greek. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, it's it's kind of the idea of um, so this. Like, I didn't even think of this in terms of like the secular world. Oh. Like, I can't even think of like the time this in casual conversation. Like, yeah, my begotten son right here. You know, like, I wouldn't I, I, even in even history. Like I can't yeah. think of times when that word would be used. Yeah. So, was that something of one of those That's a totally movies? interesting concept. So yeah, so like I would say and no other way to describe it, so they use begotten. My my opinion and um uh just for the record this is my opinion. Uh <laughs> I I ha I think that where we sit in relationship to the early church that something like that was probably over time designated to be specific to the son. So, so it fell out of a non, it fell out of use in a non-technical kind of way. Well, because obviously the word begotten wasn't in the original. Well, the yeah, but it, that is representing. But the meaning of it was then given a word. Yeah. To do it. So like. Yeah, like there, it's 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 a there's a there is a. Um, um, there is a Greek word that it's translated from. That word's have been around for a long time, but I think that even in what, regardless of the language, the use of the phrase itself, I think, fell out of a uh, non-technical use around that. I mean, I'm, I'm making a guess here, but because of what it means, it fell out of a. It's only used technically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And we and, and you got to think about it like this, like um, as Christianity is spreading over time, it's influencing how we use language. So if you think about the way we talk, right? All if you if you etymology is the development of terms and what they mean, um, so how they grow and change over time. If you think about our culture, so much of our language in our culture is a derivative from an expanding Christian uh, uh, culture, really. And then the, as culture changes, that even makes more and more and more and more modifications as we go. So, that, I mean, we could, like, what's a phrase like boss, right? Is that your generation? To say something was boss? Okay, so like my dad used to throw that around there and then laugh like because I didn't know what it meant, right? And I'm like, what do you what do you mean about what your boss? Like I don't understand, right? But that that's something that was used at it for a time in a certain way, and then it just for whatever reason never took track got traction and fell out of use. Rad, yeah, like exactly. Or so like like we would say like for instance, okay, how often do I say awesome? That's awesome, okay. Awesome is a word that is uh, it going back is pretty much strictly designated to represent like an amazement at God. But now it, it, it's it's as light as a feather. It's 
Doesn't have any. Yeah, it's just a simple throw it out there kind of thing. So that makes yeah. Yeah. So I to answer your question, I think that it's just the theological meaning with that uh, changed how the word was used from a like a very like this is life like the relationship of a son to a father and the begotting of a son um, is not something that you talk to just talk about anymore. It's assumed. We would say, oh, you fathered, you fathered him. Something like that. I I don't know if that helps. Yeah. But that obviously has a different meaning than what's being implied in the son is a begotten. Yeah. Make sense? Cool. All right. So next week, Trey will um, Trey will be teaching. He's going to have three subjects. And let me just see here real quick. We'll go back real quick and look. He, he's going to cover God's sovereign purposes, creation, providence, and man, and man's sin and its effect. So, and you can kind of see like this. We've gone for an hour and a half. So this is this is takes some time, but. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Cool. Come back, feel feel free to come back with questions or email me, jeff at centergilbert.com, and I'd be happy to try to avoid your email, of course. (laughs) We'll see you.